Love is in the air and Minky Couture has the best gift ever for your Valentine. Don't give candy and flowers a die. Give a unique and luxurious gift that lasts. Show your love you care with a new hugs blanket from Minky Couture. Nothing says I love you like a warm, cozy Minky Couture blanket that hugs you back. Give them a hug, and while you're at it, give yourself a hug too. You deserve it. Minky Couture has the perfect blanket that says I love you. Shop stores and online at MinkyCouture.com.
to Big Blend Radio, the world party show with Nancy and Lisa. And you just heard Open Waters, the title track to world-renowned guitarist Todd Mosby's brand new and fifth album. Todd is known for being a contemporary crossover artist performing a blend of Indian, jazz, and new age music. Pretty much he, he plays everything. He really does. He's also the co-creator of the Emirat Guitar. It's an 18-stringed hybrid sitar guitar. It's the first of its kind, bridging the cultures of Eastern and Western music. It is awesome. Um, it looks daunting to me as, as uh, someone who's a very novice person in guitar playing, but I want to get my hands on it for sure. I encourage you to go to Todd's website. It's toddmosby.band. Welcome to the show, Todd. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Uh, doing good, doing good. Thanks for joining awesome. us. And such beautiful music. That is awesome. Open Waters is just, man, I just, it, talk about calming down and just going, sitting outside and enjoying good music. It seems like you're inspired a little bit by nature to me with with your music. Absolutely. Yeah, I have spent a lot of time in nature, hiking the mountains mm. of Colorado, Missouri, and traveling. I've, I mean, I, I heard you talking earlier about rest areas across the U.S. are basically Missouri and Kansas, and I've been to all of them, and they're, they are very yeah, nice. Cool. But, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I drive a lot so um, because mm. of what I do, um, performing in different performing arts centers. I usually go from California to uh, New York at least two or three times. At, well, there's, sometimes I've been two or three times in a year. But wow. um, this past year, I just came up, came back from, uh, just recently, I just came back from Indianapolis for a conference oh, up wow. there, a music conference. Yeah, yeah. That's some so cool a lot of, yeah, we, yeah, we travel oh, cool. full time, and we just drove through your state, because you're in St. Louis, right? Yes, I am. I'm based in St. Louis. I was born and raised here, and, uh, you know, it's my home base. Oh, cool. wow. Uh, you know, we just drove through there. We were left, uh, we were in uh, Springfield, Kentucky, and drove from Springfield to Florence, Colorado, which is just southwest of Colorado Springs. And um, we stopped in Missouri, and I saw, you know, we were on the highway, and I could see the arches. I'm like, oh, I so want to stop here because <laughs> it just looks so beautiful. It looks like such a lush, green, beautiful state, you know, and the I, history. I call, yes, I call it the land of green. It's a mm. very green state, um, and there is St. Louis is about the oldest city in the U.S. Not the yeah. oldest, well, at least west of the Mississippi, it's the oldest city. And, yeah, the uh, oldest city very, is St. Augustine, and that's its yeah. birthday today, by the way. St. Augustine, happy birthday! It's the oldest one, but yeah. So then it's St. Louis, and then Santa Fe. I think those are the top ones yep. in history. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And St. Louis is kind of a community area. You know, there's a lot of communities here. It's kind of tight. It's a great place to uh, grow up and um, raise a family and uh, get involved in music. I was very fortunate at an early age to tie in with, you know, to be influenced by a number of different musicians that Mm. came out of St. Louis, actually, and went on Hmm. to do a lot of different things Um, for some bizarre reason. (laughs) Where did where did the Indian influence come in? And because it, when I listen to your music, I hear really a little bit of everything, but it flows. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, it's it, we're the blend because we like to do whole. Co- we don't want to be limited in what we do in coverage. It just has to be positive and you know, quality of life. And it seems that way with your music. But where did the that world music feel come from for you? Um, um is this Nancy or Lisa I'm talking to? Th- this that's is Lisa. Lisa. Now, oh, Lisa. Now okay, say- good. I just want to make. Okay, got it. Okay, Lisa. Okay, 
So um, I actually started with the Indian music at about the age of nine. There was a store oh. uh, not far from where I lived. There was like an import store in this place called Clayton, Missouri. And I would go up there on Saturdays and hang out. And he had like, mm-hmm. the, he was always playing Indian music. He had like incense burning. He had the stuff from, you know, India and all over basically the world, but mainly India. Yeah. It was a great place to hang out. And I would sit there, talk to him, rifle through his records, fix him up, read Cahill Gibran, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. you know, chat. So that's really a first introduction to that. Um, but then uh, cool. later on, I wound, I wound up um, studying with Gustav Imrat Khan, who was, because he moved to St. Louis, and he actually lived right down the road from me. And uh, he was India, or this is the late Imrat Khan. He was India's greatest uh, sitar player. He came from a family of musicians dating seven generations, dating back 500 mm-hmm. years to wow. uh, the court of Tanzan and the court of Shah Jahan which was one of the great Mughal emperors of uh, uh, Persia and northern India. You know, when Persia invaded northern India, they kind of blended their culture. Wow. And it, was, it came to a very, very high level of, of uh, music, art, science, literature. It was, it was a fantastic period. Um, but that's where his family hails from, and that's my lineage as far as that music goes. Um, wow. So wow. I was very fortunate to study with him for 13 years. <laughs> And, uh, wow. you know, old, old school, very old school. So, um, that, that is a, that is a fortunate thing. I think, you know, what, mm. for Nancy and I, uh, Nancy, it kind of takes me, I, I, Nancy raised me in Kenya at a very young age and <laughs> with different tribes and, uh, different families, Indian families cool. too. And there's always <laughs> been that, that music that just, you know, I, wow. I just gravitate towards it and, and your music definitely, mm-hmm. you know, coming to America, not to sound like Ed, Ed Murphy. In South Africa and everything and now exploring America, I'm learning, you know, bluegrass and, you know, the Americans in jazz. And, you know, we just came from Little Rock where I heard some of the best jazz, you know, uh, it's just, yep. it's really interesting to not merge them together. Did, was that a conscious decision or is that just something that flows out to play all styles? Um, it's part of my DNA, musical DNA, because I growing up in Missouri, and you're talking about bluegrass. Um, mm. for, first, I just want to say South Africa has an amazing music culture in and of itself. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I used to hang with this guy, um, Deepak Ram, from South Africa, Bansuri flute, flute player. That moved to St. Louis temporarily. <laughs> but anyway, so mm. I grew up listening to uh, the folk music and bluegrass music of, you know, the seventies. In other words, I listened to this album called Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And from there was mm. able to enter, that was by the nitty gritty jerk band. And I started yeah. entering into, yeah, it's it like the bluegrass revival period back there in America mm. and, and folk revival too, because James Taylor was online, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, um, the band, nitty gritty dirt band. And, but nitty gritty dirt band put out an album called, uh, well, the circle be unbroken, and they they cracked open all these guys from Nashville, like uh, Earl Scruggs, Roy Acuff, Lester Flatt, mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Mike Albridge, a bunch of guys, and and that was like entry point in to that genre. So what I started doing then was researching because you could read the back of the covers, and I started picking up albums by these guys. And then I even think I was in a washtub band for a while in, in high school. You know, we started that. <laughs> oh. and started playing banjo. And I, yeah, man. And I was always loved the sound of that drone, that G drone on the banjo. Mm. 
and uh, I was always drawn to that, and also on guitar too. But uh, my my affiliation was I was I like the instrumental versions more of bluegrass. They're amazing technical players, and mm-hmm. um, and they used a lot of open strings, which is what I dug. And also I I heard that that drone influence in Indian music and sitar. I love mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, life goes on and I wanted to go into school. I studied, uh, and I started, I went to Berkeley College of Music and, uh, was introduced to jazz and fusion. And from there, I mean, I was in Boston and I was able to see, I didn't even know who I was seeing at the time, to tell you the truth. I was kind of like naive living in St. Louis a little bit, but, um, but I heard Bill Evans live, Joe Pass, you know, Barney Castle, um, all these like great, great players. I even saw Pat Metheny when he broke, you know, and it's just like those those things, those things stick with you if you see these mm-hmm. great performers live. And um, you know. So I yeah. basically moved back yeah. So no, then no, I moved no. back to Saint Louis and, and joined a punk rock band. <laughs> <laughs> no and, way, uh, that's so funny. That's funny. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. But Very I think that gives you this really cool, you know, balance of rock music. Every every genre has a, a something to um, to provide. You know, it, it really does. It, it's a way of communicating. So it's like, okay, if I'm trying to communicate this, where am I going to draw from? I think you're really. It, it's interesting when you talk about bluegrass and then Indian music. You know, um, I remember <laughs> listening. One of my there's. One of my favorite albums, and, and I can't remember the name, uh, uh, Joshua Bell and Philip Glass, I think it is, that they played this oh, music, yeah, yeah. like Appal- Appalachian music. And I, I just know this. I, I just listen, you know, and it's in I, – I could sing it, you know, but not really. But listening to some of those, those little riffs, like, remind me of Indian music. And it's that, that – I don't know if it's the timber, or they both seem to have, like, this hammer stock in their music. If Does that make sense, where it's just kind of like – there's these breaks and it's like an audible like snap in the music. It makes and, yes, and it makes total sense. Okay, you figure the music of Appalachian came to us through Ireland, which came mm-hmm. and if you listen to the music of Ireland, like especially bagpipe, uh, bagpipe music, the melodic mm-hmm. content is is very similar to what's called a shanae a shanae instrument, which is a reed instrument in in India, and the ornamentation is almost Exactly. I mean, I can't tell a difference. And they they have those drones too. So if we were to follow the history of culture, and rather than you always using written text, but listening to the music, I mean, to my ears, it sounds like something happened, and there was a big jump going from northern India because Imrat used to say that, you know, the the they used to say the uh, natural scale or the major scale was he said was invented in India about 10,000 years ago or some ungodly thing. But, oh yeah. But, uh, but if you see how, hmm. but if you, and that's, he said, he, and then it went to, you know, Greece and then, you know, Pythagoras, you know, we got the Pythagorean scale. That's what hmm. we know today. Is. But I mean, it was around back, you know, in the ancient world. I mean, the Chinese, the Indians, the Egyptians were all playing music and they were, they had the scale then. So it just mm-hmm. wasn't invented in Greece. You know, that's kind of contemporary times compared to, like, the history of... But anyway, so there was a big jump that went from there. How could that music get to Ireland? And then we know how it got from Ireland to Appalachia and actually from Appalachia to the Ozarks because mm-hmm. hammer dulcimer is a very 
very popular instrument when I was growing up in the Ozarks. And that music leaked up into St. Louis. And I, I mean, like, and I, I kind of grew up in St. Louis and Cuba, Missouri as well. And mm. we used to do what was called shade picking, you know, going out the back porch, back under a shade tree and just picking and, you know, trading licks and learning music like that. So, uh, but when I went to school, but, you know, when I came back to St. Louis, so um, I found myself in a culture that was <clears throat> pretty different from where I was in Boston. Yeah, but I had this huge knowledge base, and I had to navigate, you know, how do I survive in St. Louis? So I wound up basically uh, walking in. Fortunately, um, you know, I started jobbing around doing, uh, after the punk thing, you know, doing Mm. uh, jazz. And I wound up becoming one of the top jazz players in St. Louis for, you know, its first call with one of the biggest agencies for years. And from that, I was able to just play with the fine, hire the finest players to play with me, and because um, I was contracting out, and I got my hands real, really, really dirty—not dirty, but really uh, mm. involved in music and jazz at the at the deepest mm. level from some of the finest players. I mean, players that were related to Miles Davis, players Sweet. that were like some, like this guy Joe Charles. Elvin Jones, uh, this, you know, used to mm. come to town and go, oh, there's this guy in St. Louis, man. He's, like, better than me. <laughs> and his name is Joe Charles, amazing drummer I used to play with. And um, and there's there's a, a nice pocket of musicians here that were uh, very kind to uh, bring me up along the way. So, What, what is St. Louis like now in regards to, like, because I really wanted to get out of the car. I'm like, this this sucks <laughs> having to just keep driving, you know. And, you know, now we're going to Arizona. We're going to, you know, to me it's another delta where we're going because it's the bottom end of uh, the Colorado River, the end part of, in America anyway. It still goes through Mexico. But, you know, to me there's something to do with all the music you're describing. I believe it does have an influence of nature. And I think it also has to do with the temperature of an area. Um, I, I have a, I just, I don't know, just it's the atmosphere of a place where who, the culture, but I, it just, to me, has to have something to do with what's going on in the weather. It sounds weird, but it just feels like that. Like every place <laughs> has a sound and it, it keeps you on your toes. When we were in Arkansas, I couldn't believe the music that we heard. I was just like, wow, wow. You know, you hear so much of like jazz Oh, there's smooth jazz. There's all these different jazzes, but there's New Orleans jazz. But I'd never heard, like you hear about St. Louis. I grew up hearing about St. Louis and, and, you know, the St. Louis blues and all of that, you know, like Beale Street and Memphis and all of that. But like wanting to go there and wanting to just dig in deep, you know, that little rock experience we had, which was just this little taste of it, is Mm. still sitting with me. I can't shake it. I'm like, I need to go back. And I'm glad yep. I filmed these guys just so I can hear it. it. Just because it was so different. What is St. Louis like going there? And do you think the weather and the surroundings influence it, the music? Yeah, that, that's the first time I've ever heard thing about the weather, but that makes total sense to me, like 100%. You know, this is like hmm. a jungle in the winter. Nancy, remember this. Like She's a, my mom. I remember mm-hmm. that, Nancy. <laughs> Someone said yeah, I, I made sense for a second yeah. here. Anyway, <laughs> oh, no, no, a hundred percent. I mean, because St. Louis is very, very extreme in, in the winters and in the summers. I mean, the winters mm-hmm. it can get like mm-hmm. the coldest cold because of the amount of humidity. We're surrounded by three rivers, 
and and we're mm-hmm. kind of sunk into a little valley. Um, but um, so, and in the summertime, it is like an absolute jungle here. I mean, it they, it mm-hmm. just gets so sweltering hot, and um, and actually, the the fact that uh, this area in particular where St. Louis is, um, Cahokia Mounds is like right across the river. And probably when Cahokia was built, the Mississippi was like bordering that. It's like the base of that thing is of that mound is is larger than the Giza, the Great Pyramid, Pyramid in Giza. Mm. This thing is huge. So it's a and so there's been cultures here for thousands of years. And I think the reason why is because where St. Louis is, it's a very quick jump over point to cross the river because um, Mississippi is huge, you know. And yeah. but anyway, so I do like if you go to Southern. I grew up. Uh, my grandparents had property down in southern Missouri, okay, like back, you know, it's a very old part of uh, actually the planet, but very old part of uh, Missouri. And actually the particular region where they have property, um, it's it's about, it's it's been exposed uh, for about like 3 billion years. I mean, the continually exposed piece of land. So it's a very, very old piece of land. And um, there's rock glades there, and you know they used to be as high as the Himalayas, probably about a couple million years ago. But um, so I go down there for a ton of inspiration. Like my first album, Eagle Mountain, was actually most of the a lot of the titles were written based on my journeys in Missouri and in that particular mm. region, and also Colorado, uh, just west mm. of actually um, Colorado Springs, right behind Norad. Uh, I spent a lot of time camping out and, and doing, you know, hikes in through that area. And then I come back to Missouri and do the same. And so that kind of was the inspiration behind the first CD. Um, and, wow. And it was very, that's all very nature-based as well. You know, but it's um, kind I of hope... weird because it's kind of similar to our journey recently. We've mm-hmm. been going, where our friend Eva Eldridge, she writes with us. She's a travel writer too. And she's got her writer's retreat house here that she's building into a writer's retreat. And when we decided to go on the road full time, she has our furniture, our books, and everything. It's like here, nice. so we're visiting our furniture. But we've been going, you know, we yeah. went to Arkansas, Kentucky, um, Louisiana, East Texas. You know, we were all in that area, and then came back through here. And then we just we've been hiking all around, like uh, west of Colorado Springs, like what you're talking mm-hmm. about, um, Florissant beds, national uh, fossil beds, Florissant, and uh, Garden of the Gods, and all of that kind of region. And and it's this drastic difference, yet there's these similarities. It's like this, they're polar opposites, but yet very united. It's really odd. And I, I, it's interesting because of the Santa Fe Trail going across and all of this history and natural history and volcanoes and hundreds of million years of drama has happened here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating because of where you are with that album that that we're all talking now because we're all just kind of in that same I don't know, same vibe of it all. It's interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Open Waters was inspired. Um, I used to spend a lot of time in on the Gulf Shores down in Florida and down in the Keys. We used My to live there. My family would go down there. <laughs> oh, oh really? Yeah, oh, we used man. to live out in the Gulf Coast area, Pensacola, Panama City, Fort Walton, Destin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some man. of the best it's blues beautiful. bands out there. <laughs> there were yeah. some really good blues bands out there. Wow. Oh, how yeah. cool. Yeah. So you travel yeah, a lot. Well, Wow. Um, Sorry, I, carry on. I have been. I have been since um, I started doing uh, performing in performing arts centers 
So mm-hmm. I, you know, rather than fly with my gear, it's kind of I, I just prefer to drive. Plus, I prefer to yeah. drive anyway. If I've got the time, I'll I'll definitely load up my car and head out. And um, mm-hmm. you know, cool. and also like one of the tunes, uh, a new land I wrote was actually written in New Mexico, and it was originally titled New Mexico, but then I was thinking Mexico, and then. But I just uh, titled it A New Land, and um, and hmm. a lot of, like, the, the um, like, the Dolphin song, you know, that was written on, that's not part of Open Water. It's a beautiful melodic piece that, that um, I wrote that, and it was inspired by, you know, just watching dolphins swim. And, you know, I was thinking, well, how do these guys swim, you know, when they're together, like, in the open sea? I mean, you know, and it's about them doing their, singing their song and dancing their dance, you know? Mm, um, yeah, beautiful. And just watch watching them from the uh, from the shoreline there, and uh, coming about. I mean, yeah, I used to sail. I, I guess I still wow. do, but I was never really that good. But you know, it's how a ship comes about and open wow. waters, cruising out on the open waters, you know, on a sailboat. It's just like you know, the, all of these were inspired by that. Um, there's a backstory to actually the whole open. It's a concept album actually, and it's depicting like the archetype voyage from the floodwaters out of, out of Atlantis into a new land. And it, it mm. really traverses a lot, a lot of genres like new age, jazz, pop, and folk. Um, mm. And it really features the electric and the acoustic and rock guitars as well. Um, I kind of wrapped, highlighted them in a number of different settings, only because the sound of them was, was very uh, unique uh, to this music and, and integral to it. So they, I definitely included them in on that and, for, should I explain what the thing looks like to your listeners, maybe? You know, the this is the, the M-Rock guitar, I really wanted to touch on this because it's really fascinating to me because, you know, I'm um, yeah. a, a singer-songwriter. Cool. who I played guitar in my, and I, I failed miserably as a songwriter from the, the my bad guitar skills, but I do understand a guitar, <laughs> but it's like going to... Uh, 12 strings would be like daunting and then to think mm. of an 18 strings and then wait you got two necks okay you know and I've seen musicians have those you know fancy rock guitars like that but this is really different and it looks number one absolutely beautiful and mm-hmm. so it's like it's like a guitar and a sitar but with 18 strings and then you you're talking about like sympathetic strings and I wanted to ask you about yes. what exactly <laughs> is a sympathetic string I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, and the the neck is wide, so I can pull on it, and it's also scalloped. And what happens is the synthetic strings actually. Okay, I'm actually playing on basically three strings. There's uh, eleven synthetics and then three chakras, but I have four four strings that are on basically I press on the neck with. Three of those I actually play on, and the other one is just kind of like a bass note that I use. For chords, but anyway, long story short, a sympathetic is when you hit a note on the guitar, a regular guitar, you know, it'll mm-hmm. usually, if it's in good tune, it'll sound other notes as well. Or let's say if you have a piano and you press the uh, the damper pedal down, so all the string, if you mm-hmm. hit a note, all the strings will ring. Okay, that, those, yeah. that's a sympathetic, that's a sympathetic vibration to the initial attack mm-hmm. of the note. So what happens on this guitar is I only have 11 strings, so you really can't control the synthetic vibration on a piano. But with my guitar I, and a sitar, you can because you can tune them to the scale you're in. And the point of it is 
what it does is it takes the note you hit, catches that, and actually extends it out further. So you don't mm. have a die-off point at all. And it makes the note just sound like you're in a reverb cage, you know. But right. then what happens is it starts firing other notes as well, and you get this really beautiful kind of natural harmony. Um, if you're playing very, if I'm playing very traditional rock, you know, music, classical North Indian. Um, but uh, when I'm doing this type music, which is a little bit more hybrid type music, uh, I use it like on Atlantica. I use I use it just to open up, you know, the sound of the instrument, the scale, and just to play these beautiful chords that just you know, they mm. just drift. Like Will Ackerman mm. is my producer. He's founder of yeah. Windmill Records. Yeah, and awesome. so totally awesome. And and he is the go to guy for acoustic guitar music, I'll tell you what. But he's him and Tom Eaton are is the production team over there and they are do a fabulous job. And so I just laid these chords out, you know, when I first started playing the tune for him, he goes, Oh my gosh. So he just wanted to record that because these synthesetics were just vibrating like crazy on the thing. And uh, my electric guitar is in more of a hybrid form. Uh, it allows me to play more fusion-oriented. My acoustic one is more mm-hmm. classically oriented, but my electric one is more fusion-oriented, and it's got what's called a javari, so it's a very vocal kind of buzzing mm-hmm. kind of sound, which normally you wouldn't want on guitar, but uh, for this kind of music, it definitely it sounds really cool. It's beautiful. I, I mean, it really is. Now, you've you've co-created this. You've got this, you know, the Imrock guitars out. Is this being produced that other people can purchase, other guitarists can purchase? Uh, yeah, actually, Tim Schwartz is the, the builder on that, and um, he's out of uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, oh. you have, uh, uh, he does not have a website. He's kind of under the radar, but he's, you know, we've been building these, you know, at least the line, the Imran guitar line, since uh, I think the first one came out about 98, 1998. Really? And so I'm in, a, uh-huh, I'm in about the uh, version wow. five of the acoustic. The electric one we did in 2004. Um, so, um, and then I'm probably got another one I'm going to put online uh, with him within the next two years, commission another one from him. But he's been building these things. I mean, he's taken it to a whole other level. I like the guitar feature aspect of it like that's kind of like i'm kind of holding to that gun <laughs> but uh he's he, his designs have just gone off the roof i mean he's got some some hybrid instruments that are just phenomenal you know such are guitars i would if you're ever in albuquerque or go to my web light website band if you need any intel on that you know just you know hit me up with my email or something and i'll, I'll get you and get anybody in touch that's interested but for mm. folk and and uh, I mean, this thing is so guitar friendly because there's only like really four playing strings and they're all tuned basically the same. It's like D D A D, <laughs> and uh, but oh my god, the sounds are amazing. I, I I think it'd be a great singer songwriter tool, and you can just strum it and it sounds amazing. Yeah, too. you know I think of, I think back to like Janis Joplin when she had her auto harp and how she would just mm. you know it's kind of like that mm. at the beginning where. She would use that as her instrument when she first started singing, you know, and it's kind of like to be able to have that backup. It's like, it's like chords. It's like having your own, you know, guitar choir for you, you know, with you, you know, when you have yep. that kind of instrument. I wish we'd known you like when we drove across St. Louis, we'd have like, Hey, yeah. we're here. We would have said, Hey, I, I, I would have been I so cool. Say, to, 
Oh, yeah. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I could have taken y'all to hear some St. Louis music. That's for sure. Well, well um, when we go back okay. through, we're going to Tennessee next year. So I'll I'll let you okay. know when we come back through. Because I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to see. Because I think we need to spend like a week in St. Louis. Like I've wanted to go to St. Louis for years just on the history, the whole music scene and everything. Okay. So that's uh, – sorry. Go ahead, Nancy. The mama. No, no, I was just going to say, I remember a class of music appreciation in high school, you know, a couple of years ago, and um, we were taken to the music uh, museum at UCLA, and the the problem we were to solve was to look at all the instruments that they had there on display and come up with a new instrument and why it was needed. And right. we've done, you know, like inventing a new instrument to me it's like okay so it, what was the driving like what was the need to do that like uh i'm frustrated with this instrument it's not doing what i want i need something that does this i'm just right, that's you a, know go ahead really good point okay here i mean for me this is it wasn't like a gimmicky thing at all i'm gonna make this no it was like out of a need because and this is how these things usually come about anyway uh, yeah. The limitations of a regular guitar could not really function anymore. So um, I was midway through my studies with Imran, and I said, "Look, I need a I need an instrument that I can access the tarabs with, you know, the synthesizers, because that is really where the heart of Indian music is: is being mm-hmm. able to fire those tarabs and being in perfect tune and having an instrument you can pull notes in and phrase, you know, like an Eastern sitar musician with. So it came out of a, a need because there wasn't. Uh, an instrument around the guitar was mm. did not have that capability, and luckily I found Kim Schwartz, who was based in Chicago at the time, and he was already doing hybrid designs. And so all, all three of us got together and started, you know, started these designs. The first one or two just really was not functional for me as a player. Mm. And but you know I, I kept making drawings and we kept going to Imrat and you know back and forth and we finally came up with the first functional one which I still have. Um, and then as time went on, well I need an electric one so I don't have to carry a sound system mm-hmm. with me. I can play with a drummer and you know a bass player and I don't have to you know jack and jack right into my amp. Um, and so and then what happened is when you have a new instrument, a lot of times you have to design or create a new music around that. And so, mm. I, because I love composition, I, I, it was kind of a natural fit for me. So I started doing that as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I wonder how many new instruments have been created over, like, say, the last 30, 40 years even. Just an I mean, absolute need. Do we even know? Um, well, I, I don't know, but I know the bass player I play with, Michael Manring, he's like one of the world's finest bass players. And, you know, we travel in, in this, my ensemble, which is called New Horizons Ensemble. Uh, he's he's had to have bases created for him because, uh, again, the same thing. Uh, mm. It was a lack of function. Or what, what was available on the bases that were there couldn't handle his concept anymore because he needed something to put. His concept was pushing the instrument bounds to the point mm. where they just needed a new, a different an instrument design. Wow. So that he could express what he had going on in his head, you know. Yeah. So, cool. um, mm-hmm. so it's usually a limitation, you know, based on the need of the performer or composer or whatever, in order mm-hmm. to bring that about. It's it's about um, your sound, what you want to create. I mean, it's it's neat because 
you you can make sound out of all kinds of things, but if you have this vision and you have like this is what I'm creating and it's not making it anymore, you have to go do your own. You have to create it, and it's your. I mean, you're lucky who you were able to create your your guitar with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you go with oh, the yeah. best of the best. I mean, wow, you know. Well, so it's it that's amazing. Imran had already. I mean, he was considered his whole family is considered the sitar family in India. Mm-hmm. So. He alone, him and his brother, had totally, basically redesigned the sitar in their, you know, to the point where it is today. You know, there's not that big mm-hmm. bowl on the end of it. They did massive reconstruction on the instrument in order to allow them to play what's called gaikian technique. It's a very vocal form of playing. And uh, the instruments of the day just, you know, they modified it so that it could handle that kind of uh, performance style. And, again, it was based on a need that they had and the concept that they had in order to push the instrument mm. and instrument design further. So it was a perfect fit for when he was working on the acoustic guitar uh, mm. because basically guitar, guitar came from from a Persian instrument, oud, and when they invaded northern India, there was a rujavina. So, you know, quick story is they combined rujavina and oud to make sitar. When they went into Spain, the Persians, uh, hmm. there was a lute there, and they basically combined oud with lute. You know, you get rid of the wide neck, you know, you lengthen it, and oud only had like one or two strings anyway. So you put a few more strings. Anyway, so they combined that to make guitar, you know, classical guitar. And some of the best ones in the world, flamenco ones, come out of Andalus, Spain. And so right. this is now, yeah, this is now a combination of guitar and sitar. So it's really, according to Imran, he always said it was the instrument of this century. Um, so I'm just now starting to get out and uh, let people know this thing's there if you want it. You know, if you, That's amazing. So. That's everything yeah. again. Todd's website is toddmosby.band. It's Todd, T-O-D-D, Mosby.band. Uh, go keep up with him and also his different performances across the country. Go get his album, Open Waters. It has been such a delight having you on the show. Mm, when we come through St. Louis, we'll see if you're in town because you never know where you're going to be. But let's keep in touch because it would be really Absolutely. cool to sit down with you. And, and cool. I want to see the guitar. You know, And we're driving Me through too. Albuquerque, but it's going to be at 3 in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> otherwise I'd say like, oh, make a stop. But it'll, I know it's going to be one of those crazy drives. But um, definitely let's stay in touch. And I because I physically I want to see this don't you Nancy me too you want to see? yeah I know we're both like I want to play it. I, I mean like instrument I don't know we just love them we don't know much but we go like that is super cool you know do you think you you'd get it into like the museum of making music or something like that have you um, been there in actually, Carlsbad California uh actually um me and my publicist we're working on it um but yeah, that's that's really cool. There's also another one in Arizona, right outside Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix, too. the Museum of yeah, mm-hmm. Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, but in uh-huh. uh, Carlsbad, California, the Museum of Making Music. Um, yeah, yeah, those two yeah. places they need it. They should have it, and you yeah. should perform there anyway. I mean, both well, places. That's where we're, well, I'm working on getting a performance gig in there. That yeah, because cool. that'd be a really good fit, I think. Um, yeah. Such unique instruments, but you know that's. Yeah, we'll see. That's that's a, usually those those gigs are about a year or two out. Um, but yeah. we're working on it. <laughs> Definitely working awesome. on it. It's awesome. on the radar for sure. So. Well, um, I love it because I love that you blend cultures together, and 
mm-hmm. more we can do that and, and show harmony, the better. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, too, with what absolutely. you do with your music. Thank, Thank you, you so absolutely. much. Well, listen, cool. you take Thank care, you. and we'll see you when we get to St. Louis. Or, or is it St. Louis? St. <laughs> Louis. Well, the, yeah. Okay. And it's Missouri or Missouri, depending on which part of the state you're from. So, exactly. But, yeah, come on, <laughs> give, a, give a holler, and I'll definitely turn you on some uh, some great places where some great music is going on and uh, some good uh, down-home uh, St. Louis food. So, uh, awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for letting you take me uh, care. chat with y'all. Safe travels, you for too. sure. All Thank right, you, and you, too. You okay. too. Safe travels. Right. See you, too. Everyone, again, uh, keep up with Todd, Todd Mosby Band dot com, uh, dot ba- Todd excuse me, Todd dot band. I got to get the dot band thing right here. I want to go dot com, so it's dot band. You take care. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. You too. Very cool. Very cool. I want. I want one, Nancy. <laughs> I know it's pretty. <laughs> I don't know how we'll travel with it everywhere that we go, but uh, awesome, awesome guitar. The Imrock guitar, everybody. Check that out. Uh, thank you all for joining us here on our world party. It's been a blast, and you can keep up with all of our shows. We air our segments on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Keep up with it all at BigBlendRadio.com. Again, the best thing to do is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll either get a list of recent articles and interviews and upcoming shows or the latest issue of either Parks and Travel magazine or Big Blend Radio and TV magazine. Both uh, magazines, we alternate them in publishing every two to three weeks, so you'll get that in there. Of course, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places as well. Uh, But we will be back tomorrow. We have an interview with Victoria Chick. She is a contemporary figurative artist and early 19th, 20th century print collector. And she's talking about the life and work of artist Aaron Bowrod, who lived from 1907 to 1992. And he combined the influences of several trends of early 20th century visual art, as well as Dutch 17th century Vanitas painting. So there it is. I wow. like his art. He's cool. He's trippy, man. I know I like it is. Stuff. It's different. It's cool. Yeah, he's he's got a he's quirky. Like he he yeah. and he gets people's quirkiness and he puts them in his work. So uh, very interesting conversation and art. Thank you all for joining us again. Keep up with us at Blend Radio and TV dot com or Big Blend Radio and or Big Blend Radio dot com. And I want to close the show with a little music. Uh, We know it's the world radio show, so we might as well play some more world music to close off. Here is Banyan Tree. This is from Evren Ozan, Native American flute player. You can keep up with him at ozanmusic.com, but it's one of our favorite songs. Here it is, Banyan Tree. Take care, everyone.